Hi guys, this is Dr. Vita Bland, and this is It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-Minute Health Magazine. We thank you for taking the time to be with us today. You know, with the events involving uh, Delmar Hilton, uh, you know, we're so very thankful that we have trainers and that they were there and they were well-versed on what they needed to do. I think a lot of times those of us in the stand take for granted what they do. Well, no more. We are very pleased to welcome to our microphones today, Dr. Janae Fletcher. She is the Associate Athletic Director, Student Athlete Health and Sports Performance, Head Athletic Trainer for North Carolina A&T State University. Dr. Fletcher, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Okay, Dr. Fletcher, I think a lot of times we take for granted what a trainer is, what a trainer does, and all of that. So could you tell me exactly what a trainer is? Yes. So athletic trainers, um, we're certified and licensed healthcare professionals. Um, we're recognized by the American Medical Association as health, allied healthcare professionals. Um, we have a large scope of work, um, and I think that may be sometimes uh, overlooked. I think oftentimes people see us as the, the individuals. We, we tape ankles and we, we pass out water. Um, <laughs> but we do much, much more than that. Uh, there's really five domains that are kind of outlined in athletic training, one of them being in the areas of uh, prevention um, and wellness promotion. And so that's where you see some of the taping and the bracing and educating uh, student athletes and then also patients on how to prevent injury, how to care for themselves, how to uh, live healthy lifestyles. Um, but then also a big portion of what we do is examinations, evaluations and assessments, um, diagnosing most often athletic injuries, um, but injuries and illnesses. So in, in the setting that I'm in, in the collegiate setting, our student athletes, you know, they have an injury or illness. We're usually the first ones that they come to uh, for that evaluation. And we have the, the skills and the tools necessary to do those evaluations um, and then determine what the next steps are for that that individual. And sometimes that kind of leading into the next domain is um therapeutic intervention. So that could be therapeutic exercise. So we can, you know, rehabilitation uh, programs. Um, it may be uh, therapeutic um, modalities, um, devices. So things like, you know, we hear about heat and ice and um, electrical stimulation, ultrasound, also manual therapies um, to different, you know, types of massage, not just feel good massage, but actual uh, massage for, for their healthcare needs. Um, and then another big piece that behind closed doors that many people don't see is the, the administration, the healthcare administration. So we're often tasked with creating policies and protocols and different procedures, um, documentation. Um, in some settings, we're doing budgets, we're ordering equipment, we're doing inventory. So there's a big uh, administration component to it as well. Well, you guys do a whole lot. I think, you know, you guys came to the forefront uh, with the uh, Del Mar Hilton, you know, event that happened because the trainers were the first there, people there. They were the ones who s initiated the um, CPR and everything. And really, I think that 
that young man owes his life to the trainers who were there, who were well trained and knew exactly what to do. And I don't think that a lot of people thought about that. So that's why I want to highlight, you know, you know what you guys do. So, you know, what's the process of becoming a trainer? You know, what kind of educational background do you have to have to become one? So in order to become a, a certified athletic trainer, you have to complete um, an athletic training education program. These are accredited programs. Um, until recently, they were offered at the undergraduate level, a bachelor's degree, but now it's um, recently shifted to the master's level. Um, so now, you know, there are entry-level athletic training programs at the master's level. So you have to complete one of those programs. And then you sit for a certification test um, by the Board of Certification. So you have to pass that exam, much like many other healthcare um, professions. You have to you have to take that exam and, and pass that. Um, but during the course of that clinical education, um, you're taking academic classwork and you're also doing clinical hours. So those athletic training students are involved in multiple clinical rotations where they're working under uh, currently certified athletic trainers who serve as preceptors to teach that next group of athletic trainers, you know, what we do and how to do it. And so they're getting that hands-on experience while also getting that classroom experience. And they'll do that in a variety of different settings so they can get um, learned from, you know, different providers, um, see a lot of different things. We work in a lot of different settings. Um, and so that's that's part of that process. So you have to complete that education program, pass that certification exam, which can be challenging at times. And then um, as well as those, you know, completing those clinical hours during that, that education um, portion. And then we're also, we also have to be licensed by our state. So in North Carolina, we, we're required to be licensed in the state. Um, right now, all 49 states require either a licensure or registration. Uh, California, we're trying to bring them along. Um, <laughs> they're right now the only state that doesn't require any licensure or registration for athletic trainers. But that process makes sure that we don't have individuals out there um, performing any health care or, or anything like that um, that has not gone through that process, um, that does not hold the appropriate credentials. Um, and so... We have to be licensed. We're licensed um, under physicians. So I uh, have a protocol under our team physician. He and I, you know, look at that from myself and my staff, um, him signing off on what he's comfortable with our staff performing. You know, um, we work very closely with physicians often. Mm -hmm. um, and they also, you know, the physicians, depending on their comfort level and the expertise of that individual, um, will designate certain things to the athletic trainer. But um, it is a process, um, but it's a it's a well worth it process. It sounds like a long process. So we're taking, you know, so you're telling me that you have to have your undergraduate degree and then you have to have a master's. So, you know, we're talking about quite a commitment here. Yes, it's definitely a commitment. And I think um, that's for the betterment of profession because we want committed individuals in the profession. You want people that want to to be in those roles and take on those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about the, you know, different, you know, modalities and specialties, but let's say, is there a difference uh, between a trainer who may be doing um, people who are sprinters and a trainer who may be doing people who are football players? Yes and no, um, but more so no, because at the end of the day, we're going to approach almost all um, 
injuries and illnesses the same. So that that ankle sprain in my football athlete versus that ankle sprain in my basketball athlete, I'm still approaching it the same in the same manner. Uh, the only differences may come when we get a little bit further down the road and maybe we're trying to progress that individual back onto the field or onto the court. Then we'll maybe look at, OK, what types of movements does this individual need to be able to do to effectively perform in their sport? So we may tailor their rehabilitation a little bit differently to maximize on those areas. Um Mm-hmm. You know, even within the sport of, say, football, I may have some differences in how I approach the, that those later stages of the rehab for my um, offensive lineman versus my quarterback or wide receiver, just because the the demands of their position are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, in the initial state, stages of, you know, evaluation and response and treatment, it's all going to be the same. You will have athletic trainers that maybe have more experience working with certain sports. Um, of course, certain sports you may see more of a of a particular injury than others. Um, but we're we're well versed in all of them. Um, so we we learn uh, evaluation and management of injuries from top to bottom. So um, mm-hmm. an athletic trainer can leave one position work in basketball and may take another position, you know, work in soccer. Gotcha. Okay. So we're very pleased to have Dr. Fletcher. She's the Associate AD and Student Athlete Health and Sports Performance Head Athletic Trainer at North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro, North Carolina. Now, Dr. Fletcher, CPR, is that part of the routine curriculum that you guys go through? Yes. Um, and actually, in all of the education programs, the students, that's one of the first things that the students um, are certified in if they don't already have it. Um, but then as certified athletic trainers, we're required to maintain our CPR certification. So we have uh, we go through the basic life support or CPR for healthcare professionals. Um, we're required to maintain that in order to retain our certification. Um, as well as our licensure. So that is a requirement that we have that um, for all athletic trainers and all athletic training students that are going through those education programs. Just as an aside, what was your reaction when you saw what happened to Delmar Hilton? What, you know, how did you how did you feel about it? Dem- you know, were you shocked? Or what happened? Yeah, you know, Delmar Hamlin. I was actually watching the game and yeah. I had... Um, I think I turned away for a second and then I heard the announcer saying that someone was down Um, and as athletic trainers, you know, that always raises our antennas, you know, even if you're you're not working, but you're watching um, sport for entertainment. And so, of course, um, the curiosity of what was going on, what's happening. And then I saw the replay and it was it's scary. Um, It's a very scary moment. Um, But being in the profession, I, I knew what type of personnel they had on the sideline to appropriately deal with it. Um, you know, hearing about his experience and seeing everything, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, doesn't happen often, um, but we prepare for it. And so, um, you know, our group of athletic trainers and, and people that you're connected with, everybody, you know, you kind of see it and you start to speculate, I think it was this or I think it was this. And um, for the most part, I think most of us were right. And, you know, that's some some reassurance in, in our education that we we were able to see and recognize those things, but um, very scary situation. Um, I'm sure, you know, especially being broadcast in that moment, 
um, scary situation for a lot of people and um, very glad to hear that he is doing well um, and recovering well from that situation and glad that he had all the, the necessary individuals right there only a few yards away. Yeah. Amazing. He was uh, definitely uh, there with the right people. Yes. <laughs> with the right people. So, you know, how did you become involved in this field? What brought you to become Dr. Fletcher in this field? Um, it was a, a little bit of a journey. Um, I actually entered into undergrad as a pre-pharmacy major. Um, ah. After about a year and a half, I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I started looking at other options and I had an interest in physical therapy Um and then I switched my major to exercise and sports science and, and kind of through that, I explored all the different options that I had. And I spent about two summers shadowing uh, professionals. So I shadowed some physical therapists and then I shadowed an athletic trainer just to see what the profession looked like. And I was hooked. Um, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so after I finished my undergraduate degree, I went on and got my master's in athletic training. Um, and I've, I've I've been in it since um, through that, through my uh, master's level education and completing those different clinical rotations. I think I had rotations at the high school level. I had rotations in collegiate settings um, in a clinic and in a, in a physical therapy office um, because you'll find athletic trainers in those settings as well. Um, and, and in that, it kind of solidified that the collegiate realm is where I wanted to be. Um, it's different for everyone. And we have athletic trainers working in so many different settings and it continues to grow. Um, but this was the setting that I wanted to, to be in. And so from there, um, I actually started at Davidson College. So mm -hmm. I worked there for four years um, in that athletic department. And then now I've been at North Carolina A&T for about 12 and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. OK, great. Well, you know, when you talk about the rotations that you guys go through, how much time are we talking about, you know, when you are going through your rotations and you do the clinical, you know, how many how many hours do you have to have? And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that you all have to continue with, um, you know, recertifying yourself. And, you know, I know as a physician, I have to do, you know, uh, continuing education every year and, you know, and report it to the board. So, you know, do you have those same kind of uh, things happening? Absolutely. Um, as a student, I don't want to throw out a number because I don't recall it was so long ago. Um, but the most of the master's level programs are um, just over two years, two, two and a half year programs. Um, and students are involved in those clinical rotations throughout. Um, like I said, there it's during this, you know, they may have classes during the morning and that they're at those clinical rotations evening in the evenings. And that starts pretty much right up at the beginning of the program. So in most cases, it's not, you know, just classroom only for a period. You're immersed um, right from the beginning and getting those clinical experiences, even if it's, you know, if you haven't learned all the material, it may be more observation in those those early semesters. But by the time you're getting closer, you're you're gaining much more um it's a little bit more responsibility put on you by your preceptors and those supervising you. But as far as um, the continuing education, yes, that is most definitely a requirement for athletic trainers in order for us to maintain our certification. Uh, so we're required to get uh, 50 CEU units every two years um, that we report to our, our board of certification. So we have to provide documentation of that. Um, and we get those through conferences, uh, webinars, um, journals, you know, reading journal um, 
articles and, and reporting back on that. And so um, that's definitely a requirement. And like I said before, along with the CPR, when they when we recertify, they want to see your current certification and your CPR. They want to see that you completed all those continuing education units. And then they even have some categories um, of what type of units. So certain um, events that you might attend or um, units that you complete might fall into certain categories and they'll require that you have a certain number in these different categories. Is there any real difference between let's say a uh, trainer who like you is on the collegiate level and what would be the difference between a trainer who was like uh, on the on the uh, football field that we saw? So I would say um, at the collegiate level versus the professional level, I would say the roles and responsibilities of an athletic trainer for the most part are very much the same. Um, and as far as what we do, we're there for that immediate and emergency care. We're there to evaluate and assess those injuries. I think it, obviously at the professional level, sometimes resources, um, how many athletic trainers you have there, how many other medical professionals that you have available on the sideline. Um, as athletic trainers, we commonly work with other healthcare professionals. We, we collaborate with other healthcare professionals. Like I said, we work with um, uh, physicians. We work and we're licensed under them. So we're working with them. We refer our, our patients or student athletes out to other healthcare professionals. So I would say um, resources might be the biggest difference, um, but the roles and responsibilities of the athletic trainer, I think are going to be very similar, if not exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. They just may at that, that professional collegiate or professional NFL, those type of levels have a, a little bit more resources um, available to them right there um, on the field than you might in some um, colleges and high schools. Okay. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was that you all do a lot of, uh, I guess, preventive uh, type of uh, training. And I, 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 could you talk a little bit more about that? Is, you know, is that when you have a student athlete who's just, you know, coming out for a particular uh, sports, you know, what, what is your, what do you do with them? Do you talk to, with them before they start? Do you talk to them about warming up or, you know, what, what's your role here to prevent them from getting injury? Yeah. So for us, and in most cases, you know, all of our athletes, we're going to do screening before they start their participation. So we're, we're um, screening, they're doing, completing a pre-participation physical. We're getting their medical history and, and trying to identify anything on the front end that may need to be addressed before they start any physical activity. Um, you know, we may also identify sometimes some biomechanical issues. Mm. Um, maybe we identify some some weaknesses, some muscle areas that maybe are a little weak or some deficits with their flexibility that we can work on because we know if we allow them to continue, they may subsequently have an injury. So we may help will help to identify those things and try to create a program for that that athlete so that we can try to prevent injuries. Um, you know, I said before, we don't Everybody sees us taping and, and water and all that stuff, but we do do a lot of taping. A lot of the taping that we do is preventative. Um, we also bracing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm one that, you know, we could try to f- address those issues and, and not just resort to taping or bracing. You know, if there's a strength deficit or there's something, we can ad- address that through our therapeutic interventions. Um, but those are things that we also do. But we do screen all of our student athletes prior to their participation to try to identify on the front end any issues or problems that may arise or that could lead them 
um, or predispose them to an injury once they get out on the court or once they get out on the field. Now, we're taping this in the beginning of the year. And so you and I both know we have a lot of people who've been sitting down and doing nothing for a year. And we're at the beginning of the year and all of a sudden they've decided they're going to become athletes again. You know, they are going to uh, recover their glory from their school years. Okay. Yes. And they haven't done a thing in 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) What, you know, what, what would you tell somebody who's been sitting there, not has, you know, hadn't been that active and all of a sudden, you know, I'm happy they've gotten the fever and they want to get out there and do something. But, you know, what would you tell them? What should be the first steps they should do, you know, to try to regain their glory? First thing is start slow. <laughs> um, let's let's not jump right out there and, and try to run marathons. Um, I would also recommend, you know, if it's been a long time since they've been physically active, making sure they consult with their healthcare provider, with their doctor to make sure that they don't have anything um, that may predispose them um, to, to any injury, illness or anything like that. Um, but just start slow. Um, pace yourself. There's plenty of time. It's the beginning of the year. Um, and I think You'll, they'll have better results um, in the end because we often find you jump out there and you start too fast and they're going to quit very fast um, because you're going to be sore. You're going to predispose yourself to um, overuse injuries and your, your, your muscles and your bones haven't um, had those type of stresses in a while. So you want to start slow and ease into those things and listen to your body as you go. You know, if you if you do a workout today and it, you're going to expect some soreness, but, you know, recognize when it's maybe more than soreness. Um, recognize when you maybe need to talk to a healthcare professional um, or just seek some additional advice in, in the programming that you're doing. But um, we de- most definitely want individuals to be out there and, and be active, but start slow, um, ease back into it. I hope people will do that because you're right. You know, they want to recover their glory right away. and They want to go out there full force and then they get sore and then they they stop and they it. Quit. And yeah, they quit. You're right. <laughs> then they quit. And we really want to keep people as active as we possibly can. Absolutely. So let's just say um, you've got somebody who is in their 30s, maybe late 20s, and, you know, they haven't been as active, uh, but they want to start doing something. Are there any particular activities that you recommend they start out doing or uh, just the, the exercise that they feel that they want to do? You know, I, I how really do you start would... out? Walking or what? Yeah, I think walking is a, is a good place to start. But really, I think is they have to identify what they enjoy, because I think you're going to have the most um, success and adherence to your to your exercise program. If you actually choose something that you enjoy, um, if you hate the bike and you get on the bike every day and you're trying to force yourself to do it, then um, you may not be as successful. But really identify physical activities that bring you enjoyment. Um, And I think that's going to lead to greatest success um, in the end and and adherence to your exercise program. Now, also, you are the associate AD. Um, What what does that mean exactly? So in my role, I actually I'm the head athletic trainer. So I oversee our athletic training staff. I also um, oversee our strength and conditioning staff and 
We don't have the position filled currently, but as well as nutrition. So um, just really in my position, I oversee all of the health and wellness of our student athletes. Um, and one of the things that's kind of missed also with athletic training is the mental health part. Our student athletes come to us often um, from a mental health standpoint. And so, you know, we charge ourselves with making sure that we can get them the appropriate help that they, they need. Um, they often trust us and have confidence in us and want to talk to us, but we're not, we're not clinical counselors. Um, that is, that is not our job and we want to be there for them and be a support system for them. But really we, we value their mental health and we want to get them the appropriate help that they need. And, and we, you know, we appreciate that oftentimes they feel comfortable coming to us um, to seek that help and being able to do that. So that's kind of also under my umbrella, but in general, um, the overall health and wellness of all of our student athletes is my, is, is my role within our department. So are you putting them on special diets or, you know, what are we talking about as far as nutrition is concerned? Um, with that, we, you know, educating them, um, educating them on, on proper number of meals and the right things that they should eat. Um, not necessarily, um, diets per se, um, but just trying to guide them to select the right foods when they're away from us, when it's not meals that are provided by, you know, the the team or the athletic department, um, trying to just really educate them on the best things um, that they should be putting in their body. Um, and then working with nutritionists, because in some cases, you know, maybe we have a, a football athlete who's looking to gain weight, um, mm-hmm. And so connecting them with the right individuals. OK, how do we do that effectively? How do we do that safely? Um, making sure that we're gaining the right type of weight um, and still maintaining our health. Well, Dr. Fletcher, we are down to our last couple of minutes. And I've totally enjoyed speaking with you and you've definitely educated me. But what are the words of wisdom you'd like to leave with our audience? What do you want them to know about um, a trainer and, you know, what words of wisdom do you want people to know about? Um, just as athletic trainers, we're healthcare providers. Get to know your athletic trainer, um, especially for parents who have their children participating in sports and the their, in our local high schools. Um, many of our local high schools have an athletic trainer. Some do not. Um, if your child is at a school that doesn't have one, you know, how can we advocate to get one? Um, because so often, you know, Unfortunately, across our state, we've had many instances of our athletic trainers saving lives um, just here in our state by their very presence and being able to be there and recognize an emergency situation and respond appropriately. Um, and just but just getting to know your athletic trainer, understanding the things that they can provide uh, for you as an athlete or as a patient. You know, we have athletic trainers in clinical settings, industrial settings. Uh, military settings, um, performing arts. So, so we're everywhere. So get to know your athletic trainer and understand what it is that we do and how we can help you. Dr. Fletcher, who is the Associate AD, Student Athlete Health and Sports Performance Head Athletic Trainer at North Carolina A&T State University. I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. You really educated me. Uh, like I said, I didn't know you guys uh, did so many different things. And uh, I'm sure a lot of my uh, listeners also didn't know it. So we thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. Right. Thank you. 
Take care and have a fabulous day. You too. It's a matter of your health. It's brought to you by the African American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System. Find It's a Matter of Your Health podcast wherever you get your podcast, and make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes, blogs, and more.